Hi, everyone. Welcome to Notes to My Legal Self. I'm Olga Mack. I am your host. We have conversations about all aspects of in-house practice, from substantive conversations about, you know, how to contract, to things like how to manage your career, to how to be involved in your community, to all kinds of other things, because we know one thing for a fact that in-house lawyers are humans first, and they have rich and exciting lives. Uh, we've had a number of conversations around career, career growth, um, and we do know that careers are long. They're increasingly long, and there are quite a few things we can do to make them much more exciting. And today's guest will give an example of what's possible and how she navigated her career and all the exciting things she's been doing. If you have other recommendations of in-house professionals who could be helpful, who can enrich our understanding of career, substantive law, community involvement, or whatever else matters to in-house lawyers, definitely let me know. Comments is a great place to do it. You can DM me, you can contact me in many other ways on social media or by email. I tend to respond to as many emails and pings as possible. So without further ado, um, I will let my guest, Mindy, Welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself. Thank you, Olga. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Mindy Burkauer. I am the Chief Client Officer and General Counsel of iRelaunch. Uh, we are a consulting events and content company, and we are in the return to work space, bringing employers together with uh, individuals who have taken a career break like myself, and are looking to get back into the professional workforce. Oh, I love it. Um, this is, um, I, I've had kind of, I, I don't think I have a guest who specifically talked about relaunching their career. Uh, so I actually want to have this conversation with you. Uh, maybe you can tell us how you got to where you are today, what other stops along the way you've, you, you've had before you went in-house, before you, you, you got to the company where you are today. I started uh, my career uh, right out of law school uh, many years ago at um, a large New York City firm. I practiced in the corporate area and for the first year in the admiralty area, which was a very, very niche area um, that had me at Coast Guard offices documenting ship mortgages, which was, uh, uh, I never thought I would find myself there. So it was very interesting mixing corporate work and um, and uh, admiralty work. I continued on in, in corporate work. And um, ultimately, I left the big law life, big New York City firm, uh, when my first child was about to be born. And then I did not return. I took a very extended career break uh, before going to an I relaunch return to work conference as someone who was looking to get back into the workforce. And then ultimately, several months later, starting to work for I relaunch in a non-legal capacity and more of a marketing um, and publicity capacity. So it was a, a different kind of path. Um, I did not um, even contemplate going back to, uh, to big law, uh, even with 
um, all of the life experience and prior legal experience. But I, the the, the IRE launch position uh, really seemed like kismet. Like it just materialized at the right time. Very interesting. So I actually want to ask two questions. I, I do want to talk about the extended break. Uh, but you're also one of the few guests that actually practice in admiralty law. I mm. know very little about it. <laughs> um, how does one become an admiralty law practitioner? I'm just sort of curious um, why and how did you make that decision and how did you kind of go about uh, getting those skills? Well, when one is hired into a big New York City firm as a first-year associate, uh one is able to indicate a, a preference area and then one may not be placed into a, that particular preference area or may be shifted um, into a very niche part of that practice area. Oh, yeah, so, I know all about it. I started yeah. up saying that I want to be a transactional lawyer. They said, oh, you want to be an IP lawyer, go be a litigator. Yeah, I know all about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was it was not... Um, it was definitely not a, a a proactive decision on my part. I had put in that I wanted to be in the corporate department and um, Admiralty at my my old firm was housed within the corporate department. And there were major financing transactions, very big, uh, complex involved financing transactions within the Admiralty uh, group. So it was a uh, big multi-party ship financings uh, versus um, anything about cargo, uh, anything in that in that area. It was more the uh, corporate finance, um, hence ending up at you know Coast Guard offices, where at the time um, e everything was hard copy to file. There was no there was no internet filing. There was no internet. Uh, so it was actually going to the New York Coast Guard, the Boston Coast Guard, the Philadelphia Coast Guard office, and um, waiting until I got the phone call that the deal had closed, uh, and then filing and getting the stamp and then getting back on the train and coming back to, um, you know, to the downtown office um, and then making closing binders, which are also a thing of the past. So it was, uh, there was some real work, real, you know, real lawyer thinking work, but there was also just a lot of paperwork management involved in that. Very interesting. I mean, I guess those are poor cities that only make sense. Um, but it's, I, I, I find it interesting how people fall into practice and uh, sometimes it's just sort of happens. Um. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Very Although I did move on, I did move on after just a year in that admiralty group into the broader corporate group. So that was just a small, um, a small part of of the work. And then I ended up in doing a whole range of different kinds of corporate work, including reinsurance, which is of course also very niche. <laughs> um, lots of regulations, but again, very transactional. Um, some IPOs, uh, you know, some general corporate governance work, contract work. So it was a pretty broad, uh, broad-based training at my old firm. I love it. Uh, so, so thank you for sharing that uh, of both of those practices. So you mentioned you you you've taken an extended break. 
Um, and, you know, I'm, you know, I having considered taking a break at some point, even a small one uh, between job. I know I I'm often, you know, have been historically anxiety riddled about that. Um, and um, I've never taken an extended break. I'm just curious, kind of, why did you take it? And what were the thoughts in your head? And how did you kind of deal with that? I took a break because I was about to be a new parent and for the first time. And I saw no possible way to combine the demands of legal practice in a big firm at that time with being a parent. And I wasn't, uh, I saw that uh, there were people who um, in, in other fields, I didn't really see it in, in big law practice, but I did see plenty of people who um, had childcare for their children and, and um, commuted into uh, New York City. I, I was in a suburb of New York City, commuted in and had their lives all structured. So it's not like there weren't examples, but I didn't really see uh, compelling examples in, in, in my firm uh, or with other lawyers that I knew, uh, especially female lawyers. And honestly, at the time, I didn't love it. I didn't love the practice enough to even try to figure out ways to make it work. And of course, we didn't have um, remote work. We didn't, and there wasn't even part-time work. You know, it was very much an all or nothing proposition. And, and there is nothing wrong with, with choosing to be with your child, you know, full time for a period of time. I, I find that some people just have a greater need for that than others. I, I, I happen to live with somebody. My, my, my husband had that need and he took a, a pretty extended time with both of my children. I, I had less of that need. So um, I think it's, 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 you don't really know what kind of parent you're going to be until you see the eyes of your child and then you know. Um, I think, and, and, and some people just want to spend more time than others. And I think it's, it's perfectly fine to be on that spectrum. So how long did, how long did you, how long did it take? Well, brace yourself. <laughs> 18 years. Wow. 18 years. Um, and my kids are seven years apart. So there was a, um, a, a big, long, childhood <laughs> period, early childhood period. It went on for a very long time because of the, the age difference of my kids. And even during that time, I, I didn't feel compelled to go back to what I had done. And I honestly didn't see other alternatives. I think as I've gotten older and more seasoned, I, um, I have I have perceived um, perceived things to be less all or nothing, less black and white, uh, less extreme. And it could have been that during that time I could have looked around, I could have found something. Um, I, I'm I'm in Westchester, so I could have found something in White Plains, which is a city in Westchester between where I lived and New York City, maybe. Maybe there would have been something, but honestly, I was so um, 
wrapped up in managing the family day to day um, and volunteering in the schools and and I, I call it my skin thickening PTA leadership, <laughs> which anyone who's been in PTA or PTO leadership oh knows. PTA uh, is uh, if you think big wall is challenging, join your PTA. Yeah. You yes. you will know the definite. I I've had a chance to serve for about a year, and boy, that was one of the most challenging things I've done in my professional life. <laughs> yes, yes, it's it's it it really prepares you <laughs> to, uh, if you are on career break, some type of really uh, demanding organizational leadership arms you to go back into the workforce. Uh, that's one of the things we talk about at iRelaunch is strategic volunteering. And I had already started about uh, to think about going back into the workforce when I took these particular um PTA leadership roles, and they definitely uh, gave me something to coalesce my skills around and and uh, build anecdotes and experiences around to bring back with me into the into the workforce versus spot volunteering here and there. Eighty years is, is a long time that you know, and, and you probably enjoyed it, right? You probably enjoyed getting to know your children, uh, spending time with them, being part of their lives. And, 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 and it's perfectly fine and acceptable and, and, and we should allow for people to want to do that. Um, so 18 years is a significant break. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, you know, you, you know, you knew at some point that you will go back. Um, and it's, I find it interesting that you, when you clarified, you know, as you started, and I do want to talk a little bit more about your intentional volunteering, but it, I thought it was very interesting when you said, that you, um, you, when you returned, you did not return in the legal capacity, that it was more marketing, uh, publicity job. Curious why um, you took that path. I think I had an aversion, even though, again, it may have been through this all or nothing lens. I think I had an aversion to going back into big law and at the same time, having a lack of confidence about going back into big law, um, c- confidence and um, or lack of confidence is something that we talk about a lot at uh, at I relaunch about needing to rebuild one's sense of self. So certainly, eighteen years is a long time, and I had I would say I had um, some identity issues during that time in terms of. You know, am I losing my professional self? Am I just somebody's, you know, wife or mom or, a, you know, committee chair um, on the PTA? You know, where where is my legal self? And it, I do uh, love your, uh, you know, your um, notes to my legal self title because it was almost like during that time I was looking for my legal self. Um, I knew I was there. I, I managed a lot of uh, projects, both for the family and then on the PTA, including reviewing contracts, which was uh, funny how that came uh, creeping back as, as the head of the PTA. Um, but I, I kicked it around a little bit. I knew I would have to um, bring my uh, continuing legal education 
um, requirements back up to par, which I did eventually. But the, the communication and publicity felt like a better fit as my first toe in the water back into the workforce at that time. And it was also a remote position, uh, which was less common um, in 2013 when I, when I started with Irene Launch. So it really, it, it really checked a lot of boxes, still being available to my family, not having a commute anywhere. And um, I, I would say as a, as a good on-ramp back into the workforce to sort of test the waters. Okay. No, I like that. This is, this is great. Thank, and thank you for kind of describing. Um, and, and there might've been a perception that maybe other professions are maybe not that flexible, but maybe a bit more flexible than law. Um, although I've talked to other professionals, they don't feel that, you know, workforce generally is flexible to folks returning sometimes. How did you connect to iRelaunch? I received an email around the time that I was in those PTA leadership roles from NYU Law School, that's where that's where I attended, that the iRelaunch Return to Work Conference was being held at NYU. And it was for people who were looking to get back in the workforce after taking a career break. So it was one of those aha moments, like, well, I have to go to this. It, it, I, I briefly, you know, I clicked through, I, I looked at what, um, what was on the agenda and I immediately signed up and I attended the conference um, in, in person. This was not in the virtual times. It was an in-person conference at NYU and in, um, in the village in New York city. And um, that's how I first connected. I, uh, and honestly, when you're on a career break, it can be very isolating. I mean, in a parent community, in a PTA, uh, there could be a lot of people on career break. Although people don't really talk about what they did uh, before uh, before kids. I found that it wasn't. Yeah, I feel like people don't talk about topic. it. People know. People know that you're a lawyer and they will route a contract to you. It's actually really funny how as a parent, you don't really talk about it, but yet everyone somehow knows. And yeah. then the proper things are sort of routed to you. Um, it's very interesting that you also found it through law school, because I've always said that law schools can do a better job at, you know, keeping us um, engaged um, through the breaks, through recessions. You know, um, the, there's a way um, to, to keep for law school, to for the community to be kind of be there and for allow people to continue their education. And I think they have a huge role to play, especially as in, you know, sometimes depending on the economy, uh, compete for talent. I think part of their pitch should be, we're going to support you, you know, throughout your life as a lawyer. Um, But that's very interesting. And so um, when you went to the conference, what happened? What did you learn? How did you decide to be more fully immersed in that? Well, even just walking into the the conference room, there were 300 or so people just like me, Um, primarily a female group, but there were men there as well. And just knowing that there was this whole community out there with the same goal of getting back to work after a career break of, you know, two to 20 years uh, was was really... um, 
inspiring. And then uh, just being at the conference, um, I wasn't really ready to talk to any of the employers who were there. Um, I spoke to one that was a small, a small employer. Uh, but as far as the big corporate employers, I wasn't quite ready for that. But I absorbed all the content. And then coincidentally, I relaunch uh, was advertising a few months later through their newsletter, which I received because I had gone to the conference. I was on their email list. They advertised um, a position. It was called executive in residence. And it was a position for someone who uh, had been out of the workforce, had attended at least one conference and could communicate well and was interested in um, helping to publicize the next year's conference to Irie Launch's uh, college and university and alumni association network. Uh, so I was already talking about my experience at the conference and how great it was to everyone. And I thought, well, this sounds great. And I can I can communicate. I'm very enthusiastic. I, um, I have time. I can take this on. And I love the mission. So I applied and had a phone interview and uh, was, was hired. And I still remember I had just finished loading groceries into my car at ShopRite, uh, my usual uh, my usual stop during school hours, and I got the call for my relaunch that I had been hired. So here I was, you know, having just done one of my usual tasks and uh, got this really life-changing phone call during this otherwise very mundane moment. That's really cool. I love that story. So how did your role at iRelaunch kind of change because I do think that at some point you actually kind of found your your way back to law, right? Yes, um, and I, I used the term responsibility creep, but it was also the needs of the business. Uh, the business grew so much, um, especially from twenty uh, end of twenty fourteen onward. Uh, we were doing way more um, consulting work in addition to our return to work conference, and the consulting work meant more contracts and more complex contracts because on the consulting side, we are in effect inside the companies, inside our client companies um, versus the conference, which is it's our conference and we are inviting companies to sponsor our conference. The contract issues are very different and we had a sort of set template for that with the increasing reach of our business, with the increasing uh, growth of the company, the contractual needs became greater. And um, a very good friend of iRelaunch uh, was serving as um, our informal outside counsel. And um, I think did not want to take on <laughs> the, the added workload. Uh, but but continues to be a very uh, helpful advisor and someone to bounce uh, bounce things off of. So it really evolved and started creeping in as the contracts and the business started creeping in, and as you know, as um, the company uh, 
went in different, some interesting different directions and started doing even more, even more things. So it was sort of right place, right time, um, and right uh, developments uh, responding to the, the business needs. Very interesting. I, what I like about the past is that one, it was very intentional. Two, that it started on the sort of publicity marketing client side, and then it ended up on the legal side. That's an unusual way to get back to law. Um, you're probably one of the few stories that I, maybe even the only one that I know like that. Um, but let's talk about this being a client relationship advocate versus being, you know, the leading the legal stuff. And um, especially on the contract stuff, where you have a very different interaction with with customers, clients, um, prospective customers, clients. Um, how do those two? How 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 do how do you exist under those two different hats? It can be very challenging. Um, the way I look at it, because I am, I'll, I'll step back. I I am on both. Um, I wear two different hats. I am chief client officer, so I'm very involved with uh, certain client relationships, uh, maintaining and building those relationships, uh, and um, uh, having a voice in our overall corporate client practice uh, and approach. And then I'm on the legal side, being an advocate for iRelaunch. So the way I try to bridge those two roles is to think of the transaction with a client as as whole and thinking of every interaction with the client as a business development and relationship management opportunity. And while still representing iRelaunch's key interests and I would say educating uh, the client's procurement and in-house counsel about what iRelaunch is, is bringing to, uh, to the relationship. In other words, what services are we delivering and, and what don't we do? Because once they understand what we're delivering and what we're not involved in, that can really help um, uh, streamline the contract negotiations and make it more collaborative. Um, it, it's, it's really, I don't see it as an adversarial process. I see it as thinking of that whole transaction, thinking of it holistically and um, making sure that everyone's interests are served and closing it in an efficient manner and making sure everybody's reasonably happy afterwards. Yeah. Thank you for articulating that. I was, I was very curious. I have a few more questions. I do want to kind of dive into two things. One, you, have, you mentioned a couple of strategies. I want to follow up on that. And then you, you are the solo general counsel. So I want to kind of ask a little bit about that too. So let me ask about the few concepts that you mentioned. Uh, one, the concept was of, rebuilding sense of self. Let's kind of unpack that. What does that mean? And what are the steps one takes to, to do to get there? I think it's important to realize that you're still the same person if you're on a career break. It's good to have some kinds of reminders of that while you're on break. And then when you're coming back, certainly you may not want to go back to the same 
type of role or industry, but you're bringing your prior experience from your pre-career break and you need to value the experiences that you've had during your career break whatever they whatever they may be whether your uh, whether your break was for a, a parental leave elder care um, supporting a spouse or a partner in a job relocation or a series of job relocations um, a military spouse uh, you know, supporting uh, supporting a spouse or partner in their in their military career. There are all kinds of uh, experiences that people have and have that are valuable um, and that they can bring with them into the next steps. But having a sense of your own personhood, your own identity, your own skills, um, and testing that and exercising that muscle through whatever type of uh, projects or um, or even consulting roles, uh, volunteer roles that you can, I think is a good way to uh, build new skills, sharpen your skills, um, keep your vocabulary up so that you're not always talking to kids <laughs> if, if you're on a parental leave. And... Um, sort of building back your professional self um, and and then having that confidence, not losing your, your professional identity during your break, but nurturing it uh, and doing whatever reading and having whatever conversations and doing whatever project work you can have during that time. I love that concept. And I'm sure there are sort of strategies that, that your company helped us uh, to, to, to really uh, unramp back um, the other concept that I thought was very interesting, um, and I've utilized it in my practice without actually taking a break of strategic volunteering. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's something that is really useful in pivoting. Uh, but, um, in the context of relaunching your career, that's probably also useful because it is to some extent a pivot. Just a very major pivot. <laughs> um, I guess I'm just sort of curious. If you were to kind of put an intentionality or structure around, you know, strategic um, volunteering, how would you, how are you conceiving of that? Um, how would you explain this? How to do it right? Well, we have, we have some good materials on that uh, through the iRelaunch site. But I would say if you have particular career goals, particular interests, um, or if you are looking to develop your leadership skills, it is really beneficial to find a cause that you feel strongly about and try to do work that supports that cause that you can um, talk about uh, as an advocate um, in, in your future interviews uh, and have, have a, instead of, instead of volunteering, even within an organization like a PTA, um, step up to be the committee chair of whatever, bus safety or the committee chair of the book fair or the chair of your particular school. Uh, step up to those jobs 
And even if you feel like, oh my gosh, it's so much, it's a stretch, because those are the leadership opportunities. That's where you can stretch. That's where you can connect with uh, past leaders who may have moved on from those committee posts back into the workforce or, or to another organization that has strong opportunities. But the more intentional you are, both with the uh, the cause that you're volunteering for and the roles that you take, the better positioned you will be uh, as you relaunch your career. Yeah, very interesting. Um, I um, it's um, I, th- I also found the other thing in addition to sort of skills. You meet people um, in those leadership roles, and you know some of them. You know either as you mentioned had an opportunity to go back or make a change or know somebody who has. So it does change the circle of people you circulate and that may give you opportunities and ideas and uh, ways to be part of different things. Um, You a few times mentioned this idea of responsibility creep and you have a chance to be the solo general counsel, which is, you know, speaking of a ultimate responsibility creep. <laughs> I, um, in, uh, in the very, very beginning of my career, was a, a solo general counsel of a, at a nonprofit. And oh my God, um, <laughs> if you raise your hand once, you pretty much raise it all the time. Uh, but that gives you an opportunity to grow grow into other roles, uh, meet other people, uh, learn new things. Um, how do you manage being the solo general counsel for a company that has this large mission, you know, that does quite a lot of events, puts out a lot of materials, is in the business of service, and also in, on top of it, you actually have a client-facing role? It's it's a lot to manage. Um, I... I, I like it because it's varied. I um, I have days where I end up at the end of the day in a very unexpected place <laughs> than I was at the beginning of the day. So there's a lot of variety and it is mixed in with the, um, the client relationship side of my role. Uh, but there are some days where it's back-to-back contract work of all, of all types. And um, it it's a it can be fun. It can be challenging. It's very detail oriented. Um, it it plays to my strengths of uh, being a very detail focused, precise kind of person. Um, but there's also creativity involved in finding solutions. That goes back to that holistic uh, client relationship transactional focus, finding solutions uh, to issues that pop up that um, a particular client may need handled in a way that might be a little different from what we usually do. Um, I, I feel I have the the freedom and the support of um, our CEO to to do that and to make those kinds of decisions and, and you know, consult when necessary. But um it, you know, it can be a little, a little lonely being the only, the only one. I, I've watched um, some, some of your um, other uh, broadcasts, and I forget the woman's name, but there was, there was one where she was, I believe, a solo GC, and she had a similar, <laughs> uh, a similar kind of assessment that it was, it would be nice to 
pop your head in someone's office or, uh, you know, be able to consult. But I can consult the person that I mentioned earlier, our our unofficial outside general counsel. And uh, my husband is also a lawyer. So I, um, I, I can run some things by him when I'd like to have um, another opinion, just another set of ears on a particular issue. Uh, so it, it, it works. It works for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's definitely a challenge. I also find joining groups um, something that people recommend, things like Sun Law. Um, there's a lot of people who relaunch there. Um, there are a few other organizations where you can be connected virtually, uh, not necessarily through, um, you know, showing up to annual meetings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mindy, this has been a great conversation. And I, I really appreciate you sharing um, this important sort of concept of finding and maintaining the sense of self and and um, and intentional volunteering and that uh, you can in fact take 18 years off and still be a lawyer remarkable how that happens once a lawyer always a lawyer it's for you to discover that i really love that message um we're coming to the end would love for you to one say goodbye and two maybe one or two takeaways that you would like the audience to to take from this conversation well thank you for having me this is a lot of fun um as far as as far as takeaways, I would say even if you are on career break, there are so many ways now uh, that didn't exist when I was on break uh, to stay connected, to stay connected with your your profession, to stay connected with your professional peers, and um, I think it's worth spending some time, even though it's difficult to carve out time, spending some time to maintain those connections and um, continue building new ones, whether it's attending um, in-person events, virtual events, or just keeping in touch with people. I think that's, um, that's important to do and keep your confidence. You're, you, you were a terrific professional uh, before your career break and you will be, you are still a terrific, a terrific professional and you are going to bring value to uh, whatever organization you decide to relaunch your career with. That is so great. And I love this message, Mindy. Thank you so much for joining for this conversation. I've thoroughly enjoyed it um, and learned so much from you. And we recommend that folks check out iRelaunch in case they need those resources. Or I am sure you know somebody who does. So definitely do that. I love the message that once a lawyer, always a lawyer. And should you want to go back to that, you will always have opportunities to do that. And increasingly increasing number of way of staying in touch and be one leg in the profession. Definitely something to think about uh, because I know for many people, it's hard to make those choices between career and taking care of the loved ones, whether it's a child or a parent or, you know, a pet. Um, all of those things sometimes require care. Sometimes you want to do self-care. That is also fine. And you may need longer than a month or two or three. And there are ways to do this. And I really love Mindy's message and tools that she has shared with us uh, so we can all, you know, show up as ourselves and take care of things we need to take care and still be lawyers and still show up as in-house lawyers. If you have any recommendations of who else can have with me a conversation that is of importance to the in-house community, definitely let me know. 
Um, I'd like to have quality conversations that we can, you know, use in our lives or help others on our teams to, to use as well. Um, thank you so much for joining. Um, I really appreciate your time and look forward to seeing you again. Bye, everyone.